You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the World Arm Wrestling League this week. I'm your host Neil Pickup, and it is on. Hello and welcome, brethren, all dedicated followers and fans of the sport of iron arms. The Ecclesiastes assures us that there is indeed a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to make the statement that Danny Tesh can probably beat any human that ever drew breath, regardless of whether the biased ref gave him a crap setup, and he completely missed the goal. There is also, therefore, a time for World Arm Wrestling League this week, with my fine fat self, Neil Pickup. That time is now, Mother Fluffers, so kick your other half out of the comfy chair, get a brew in, and let us have it. As the weeks whistle by before our very eyes, we're already into week 17. 505 is on the horizon, but we're still trying to clean up 504 and get our heads around what we just saw. We heard from the exciting new debutants that we saw in action in LA, but what about members of the old guard? What about the man who won the main event? And in dramatic fashion whistling up a storm of conversation following his first ever win against Dave Easy Money Chafee. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest on tonight's show is the Soldier Boy Superman from Canada. No limits, Devon Larratt. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by Canada's finest. It's Devon Larratt. Devon, welcome back to the show, mate. What's up, Neil? Happy again to be here. It's taken me a while to get you on. I think I've, uh, we're, we're about three weeks out now. I've had Marlon Kleinsmith, awesome debutant on the show, uh, straight after 5.04. I don't know how you, how you went on going home. Uh, she took 48 hours with four hours sleep. I actually managed to beat her because I had a crap journey. Uh, I did 51 hours no sleep. How's that? Ooh, that's that's pretty impressive. I I normally the night after the event I just I party my brains out. So mm -hmm. that night's always a write off. And uh, you know, <laughs> I think by the time I got on the plane that evening, I was actually able to sleep on the plane. I had a red eye, so my travel wasn't as bad as yours. What is the what is the flight time from Ottawa? To um, to LA, if it were direct, I think it's about six hours. Mm -hmm. It ours never seems to be direct, but uh, yeah, six hours is about right. Now then, mate, five or four, five or four. So much to talk about. We got about twenty twenty five minutes. I want to uh, get into the thick of it straight off the bat. This was probably one of the most pivotal events from your. Uh, sort of career standpoint, probably 
ever, I would have to say, mate. I think um, I want to pick up on a few different parts of the, the sort of overall story of this match. And I want to start way back, really. Firstly, there was a lot of needle in this match, as everybody knows, and that's one of the things that uh, we want to really focus on. But firstly, when did that needle start, mate? What was your, for you, when was that needle first apparent and, and what do you think sort of drove it? It was definitely, no question, 2018 finals. When, uh, when, he, said, when he said that to me, it really blindsided me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I mean, I knew the match was coming. I knew it was looming. Um, I just didn't expect it to be like that. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was the first, so, so just for clarity, yourself and David never had any animosity prior to that. I mean, um, in my experience, Dave's always been a very, very straight, very stand-up guy, um, keeps himself to himself. Sometimes, actually, probably doesn't do himself any favours in that respect because he is the t- the type of guy who... Ordinarily, he doesn't get drawn into that at all, does he? I mean, Dave just, you know, he never gets drawn into the sort of chat. He just goes out there, is as strong as Popeye's pig, does his job, and that's that. Yeah, and I'm kind of the exact opposite, you know. I, yeah. I, I'm really looking for it. Uh, so when he did it to me, I, I really, I genuinely did not know exactly how to take it. Mm-hmm. And especially coming from Dave, you know, when Dave says that kind of thing to you, yeah, uh, it was, I knew it would be very serious. Yeah. It's like, if you're like, you know, if you've got a grandmother, that's just a really nice person and they come in, you come in one day and they call you a, a stroker. You right. think to yourself, Oh my God, I may be a stroker. Right. Whereas, you know, if, if I call you a stroker, I mean, you know, don't, don't take it too personally most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I probably could be a stroker, but, you know, it's one of those you just shrug off. Yeah, so, it's different. So 2018 was the first time that you were at... Did you, did you sort of, you know, give him anything back at that time, or did it just stay completely quiet until you guys got matched up? Uh, I think, honestly, I think I was so shocked by the whole thing. And he was match one, and, you know, I had to get in my space, and mm-hmm. then... I don't think I saw him at the after party and I never really got a chance to see him face to face. Um, really. And so we actually competed against each other. Yeah. Now that's, that's interesting because I think I want to say that I've never seen Dave anywhere near as emotional as he was for this match. I mean, first thing, just to dispel a myth, there were some comments that I read. I don't know that some people have said, oh, you know, WAL's now become WWE. Um, the, just so everybody's aware, I certainly am, because I was stood there. There was no faking, no play acting. That emotion was real in that room when we did the little discussion beforehand, wasn't it? I mean... Yeah, you know, the thing that I tried to really kind of digest... Uh, you know, when, when you attack me, I mean, that's, that's really, that's no problem. Uh, I, I can, I can handle that. Uh, but he just, he, he used that one word that really didn't stop rubbing me. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he brought up my country and that was like a grain of sand that just, you know, got more and more irritated to the point. Uh, where, you know, I, I was willing to go all the way for it. Like this was the match for me where I, uh, 
you know, I, I would have broke my arm if, uh, if, if, if it would have gone there. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that, uh, you, you can tell a lot by an athlete's eyes. And when you guys were in that room on that night, I'm, I'm leading up to it, mate. I've got to say sort of 10 minutes before when we were sort of just chatting that through, you could see that there was some genuine emotion there between the guys. And you could, everybody, when we came out of the room, Dan and uh, Jamie, Scott, all the guys that were in there were saying, whoa, that was intense. Michael Todd was genuinely uncomfortable, mate. Yeah, Rebecca. I mean, like, really, you know, Rebecca Rebecca was in bits, wasn't she? But Michael, <laughs> when he came out, he said, mate, I didn't like that. Let's never do that again. You know, Michael said, these are both my friends. They're both guys I like. That was that was horrible, you know. But I think um, the situation itself within the room, I think you, I think both guys were probably, or at least felt they were in control of, but you could see that there was a, it was on a trigger all the time, wasn't it? Which was probably quite good. I quite enjoyed it. I think that this kind of thing is very necessary uh, mm -hmm. in our sport. I think, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily look like Dave and I, but the promotion, um, the pre-match uh, interviews, I think it's, I think it's very important, especially when finding meaning and the why and like, I mean, why are we doing this? You know, it's, it's very important. Now, the second thing I want to, I want to really focus on mate. Obviously I've been watching you arm wrestle We've been friends and, and, and at these type of supermatch events for, Jesus, a long time. It's got to be, what will it be, 15 years, 12 to 15 years, something like a long time. Well, I'd say the first time that, like, we had a real card was uh, Taurus Evakin. Is that the first one? Was that the first one? Might well have been. Yeah, you know maybe. what? I can't remember now. Possibly was, mate. Possibly was. When was that, like, all six? I think it was five, six. Was it? Five or six. So we're talking sort of circa fifteen years. Mm. Now, I mean, and I knew you. I knew you from uh, Japan. So. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety eight. Was it? I think ninety nine. Ninety nine worlds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now, all that time, I don't think I've ever seen you more focused. And and, and bearing in mind, you've pulled guys like John Brasink, Ron yeah. Bath. Yeah, uh, you know, it, Michael, my God, the Trafford Centre match, which was a massive match, mate. That was a massive match. I yeah. mean, in terms of live crowd, it it was ridiculous. We had fifteen and a half thousand people in there that day. Huge yeah. event. Yeah. Now, you had razor focus in this one. You were just absolutely on that edge, weren't you? I mean, before the match, you seemed. I mean, when we were walking down. I said to you, you know, how are you feeling? You said, I don't know, man. you weren't overly confident, but you were very, very, very focused. I think you obviously had a little bit of um, this could go either way. I mean, often you project a great deal of confidence. And whilst, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say at any time that you didn't think you were in the match. I'm sure you did. But I think it's the, the nearest that I've ever seen you to that sort of, um, I'm going through into uh, going through a door into a dark room and I don't know what happens here. It was yeah. pretty much that. I think it's really important with, uh, you know, there's a lot of different psychological strategies that people use. I really try to be as honest as I possibly can with myself leading up uh, right to the point where it's actually officially on. And and once it's on, I, I'll try to only be confident only project confidence and, and what I mean when it's on it's any any real interaction I have with a person it's it's 
it'll be on. But in the moments when that kind of fades, I'll, I'll just try and go back to being as honest as I can with myself. I feel that uh, being overconfident uh, is just a form of inaccuracy. And mm-hmm. to disrespect Dave Chafee and all his accomplishments, I think would have been doing me a great disservice. And I think I wouldn't have been as prepared for the match if I had just you know been confident throughout. Now, one thing that a lot of people commented on, a lot of people noticed, and myself included, obviously when we first met up a couple of days out, um, was it the, probably the Tuesday, I think, uh, I, I first saw you over there. The first thing that I noticed was you were big. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you looked really big. Your yeah. legs looked big. Everything, you know, yeah. um, just looked big big and ready and i thought whoa he's come ready for this um then dave walked in (laughs) and he looked like he'd been carved out of zeus's tooth yeah yeah absolutely shredded off his ears and massive yeah and i I, you you could feel that was it felt visceral it felt on you know i thought oh this is going down now was the match what you expected sort of technically was it you i know that and obviously uh him pulling the kings wasn't but prior to that did you did you feel from dave what you'd expected mate the hand the wrist yes uh it was what i expected and the king's move is actually what i expected that i was going to use um the match- Sorry, I meant from him did you think Dave would oh, go there no that now that was a shock and and to tell you the truth while the match was happening, I mm. wasn't even really fully aware that he was even doing it until he'd been at it like a few hits. I, 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 I was, I was, it was the last thing that I was expecting that he was going to do. Yeah, that, that really, really surprised me. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty good feel that you'd end up in Kings. I thought you'd try and bust him off the start. I thought yeah. you were going to try and blast him top roll to start with in round one and if that hadn't worked i thought you'd try and just carve him up and try and get him off the center into a uh, get your shoulder in play quite a bit and then from there expose the hand with the kings once you put the brakes on a little bit you know but what i didn't expect what absolutely shocked me was dave going there i was Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. yeah it was an interesting strategy by him um i i think that uh I was expecting him to attempt to press me the way mm. that he tried to press Michael in round two. But that never re- he never really got engaged in a press with me. No. Yeah. Do you think I that's thought, because of the height? I don't know why he didn't. I have looked at it and looked at it. And when I'm arm wrestling him and I'm in that King's move and it's very low... I'm so aware that that press threat is right there. And then I'm going to have to move very, very quickly if he starts to commit on it. Mm. Uh, but it, for whatever reason, um, and you'd have to ask Dave, um, but yeah, he never really pulled the trigger on it, which allowed me to kind of slowly advance, add fatigue. And yeah, it was interesting. Wasn't it? You know, for me, the match, it's it's just one of those, matches in my career that when I'm, you know, 80 or 90, uh, and my King's move is really, really developed, <laughs> I'll look back and I'll be like, you know, that's one of my, that's one of my big moments. You know, there's like Ron Bath, John Brzezink, Michael Todd, and, and, 
this has got to be like right up there. Um, so that's a, a milestone match in your It's mind. a big milestone match for me, yes. Uh, it's For me, this is like, he's a really significant player in the super heavyweight division, which I am still, you know, trying to conquer, you know, since, you know, I left the two twenty fives in 2017, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy who, you know, at least on paper has, has reached the top, you know, they had him at number three, I think on some ranking systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a really legit, very legit super heavyweight, which, you know, by beating him, once again brings me into the question and relevant discussion for potentially another touch at that crown. Ladies and gentlemen, guys, we got to take a really quick break, but please don't go away. We will be right back with more from Devon Larratt in just a few. Welcome back, guys. If you are just joining us, two things you need to know. We have got Canada's own No Limits, Devon Larratt, on tonight's show, and we're midway through his post-match analysis of WEL 504. Second thing that you need to know is that Danny Tesh is quite possibly the strongest arm wrestler that's ever been anywhere, ever. Right then. Now that we've got that cleared up, let's get back to it with Devon Larratt. Let me ask you a question, mate. Obviously, the King's move is what it is, and I fully uh, understand your rationale for what you do and the way in which you utilise the Kings. But just ignore that for a moment. And in terms of the criticism that's levied at you now, that you've actually gone backwards. Your arm wrestling has, uh, has, has sort of lost a little bit of its fluidity, lost a little bit of its well-roundedness, lost a little bit of its versatility. And that at the heavyweight division, if you didn't have the Kings, you wouldn't be strong enough to compete arm on arm. Now, Michael's had that same criticism thrown at him. And he's always said, look, you know, I got a demonic straight up hook if I need it. Where do you see yourself there? Because that's quite a scathing comment for somebody like yourself who prior to your last two years, really, we never really saw the Kings move come out of the closet at all. If you go back to sort of the 15 finals, you were, you were all over the place. You were in a full deep hook with uh, John. You were cutting into hooks with Marcio. Year prior to that, the same. And the year after, the same. You've always been someone who's utilised every and any available technique but of late i would have to agree that we don't see that those tools come out of the box now you d you do tend to lean heavily on kings as does michael now success or otherwise do you think if you had to have faced dave arm on arm in any position that you were comparable with strength or do you think uh, that it was kings or, or nothing the whole question to me it, it really makes me, I just never really even want to value anybody who even starts to think like that. To, I will answer the question, but before I do, I just really want to say that people who think like this and over-prioritize any kind of display uh, at a cost 
to getting the W, yeah. I think, um, are just, they should maybe start powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Or they should maybe start getting into Olympic lifting or strict bar curling. Because as soon as you start to think like that, you are dismissing the combative element which our sport is at its base. People talk Yeah, so about- you're taking away the, the opportunity for a match to live, to evolve. We are fighting here. Like this is this is an opportunity to use your strength as a tool, not to display your strength at a cost to winning. Mm-hmm. You know, you you are in a fight and I will always choose the path of least resistance. This is what I am going to do against every single opponent I face. Now, let's be honest, Devin. Michael Todd has said a similar thing. I mean, obviously, I think both and you, you and myself and Michael are common in that respect in that you've got or got a common um, bit of evidence that you can throw forward in terms of you've both arm wrestled for many years in every and any position, as I said. Yeah, and both of you sort of went down the king's route after suffering, respectively suffering serious injury. I mean, Mike, fair enough, it was his uh, left. Yeah, but of course, and that's, and that's evolution. You yeah. know, um, a lot of arm wrestlers uh, who have had three elbow surgeries mm. uh, probably aren't going to still be in the game, right? I mean, you have three elbow surgeries. That might be where a lot of people throw in the hat. Uh, yeah. I... I'll tell you, after my surgeries, I was just so leery to um, to throw a whole lot through my elbow joint, yeah. which is a big requirement for any kind of internal stabilization move. So any move where you have shoulder commitment, it's like you're, you're going to test those structures. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you, look at Jerry Cataret last year. And I'll tell you, the King's move is not your move of choice against a guy with a very, very great floppers press. Yeah. Floppers press is probably the best, one of the very best options for giving a King's mover a whole bunch of trouble. Yes, uh, particularly if you can stay, if you are, a, I'd say if you are a natural presser, not someone who has it. Right. It's like, you know, it's not somebody who has that in their arsenal. I mean, I can, I can press. I've pressed. I've won matches. I've pressed all over the world. Have my wrist taken. Would I do it by choice? Hell no. Right, right. Jerry Cadaret brushes his goddamn teeth like that. Exactly. So, And I knew that the key to beating a flop wrist press was, was actually a better press that had its wrist involved. Mm. So... So that's what I used against Jerry. And that was just last year. I mean, I can still do these moves. Um, and I, I practice them. I can do them. But the people that I use the King's move against have a hole. And they yeah. don't know how to deal with it properly. And to me, like, when, when I listen to – because I do read comments too. Um, and when I see a lot of the comments from a lot of people who I don't know their names, like if I see a name and I don't know it and uh, I'm kind of assuming that they have either minimal experience in the sport mm-hmm. uh, or they're an outsider, uh, all I think is, okay, there's a lot of education that needs to be done. Okay, People need to learn more about this move because it is advanced. They're, like people, people say, as soon as someone says it's an advanced move, a lot of people kind of laugh it off and say, oh, it's a bone lock. No, 
it's really not. Uh, there is a lot going on that people clearly do need to learn about. But what really triggers me is when I hear an advanced arm wrestler, you know, and I'm talking about a guy like, you know, Hutchings, Bath, anybody who has a good resume and talks crap about it. I just, I get really disappointed in them. And I, and I really, because to me, these guys are kind of heroes of mine. And to me, what it shows me is that these guys actually aren't really as versatile in their head as I would like to imagine that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little bit disappointing to me when I see people who are like, I, I actually respect in the community talk bad about it because I do feel so strongly about arm wrestling that it is uh, it really ultimately you win the match when the hand goes down. And, and, and if you want to get any deeper than that, then there's going to, we can just talk for days. We can talk yeah. for days and days. The match is won and lost when the knuckles or whatever go below that pin pad. Everything else, you know, forget about it. Well, one so, of the funny things that I that that, that I would I'd, I would say that um, would probably shock people who perhaps just think it's about the bone lock would be the fact that when I spoke to you, I can't remember like two three days after, maybe slightly more. Uh, but it was like, you know, it wasn't the next morning. It was like a couple of days after. And you said to me, um, dude, I've never been as sore, as muscularly sore. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. now if you if it was just bone lock, that, oh, that would, just, you know, that's surely. a ridiculous idea. It's just a ridiculous thing to say. This is something that's said by, when people say that, right away I know they don't understand what's going on. Right away. When people say it's a bone lock move, the king's move all it is is an open form of top rolling. And you can see people who kings move, and they're still quite tight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a certain style where dragging and pronation comes a lot. It has little bicep, and it just opens a lot. And I will say that there, it, you do get better at kings moving t- the tighter your joint gets because there's all sorts of protective mechanisms that jump in there. But you talk about bone lock, all of arm wrestling is a bone lock. That's why people break their arms because you're yeah, using yeah. your bones. Uh, people are bone locking in a press. People are bone locking in a hook. Most of the times when I see a bone break, the position is just fine. And guess what? That was a bone lock that didn't hold up. Uh, like arm wrestling is a bone sport. It's a connective tissue sport. Yeah, that's why they call it the king's move because you are exposing yourself to have your bone broken. You're willing to do that on the table. Would you have been concerned about meeting Dave? Absolutely. In the hook, if you did just run straight into him, did he feel that strong? Because here's what I thought about. Um, I was reading some of the comments and they were saying, you know, oh, Devin couldn't go in a hook, couldn't match you on power. And, you know, we'll never know that because it didn't happen. But, but what I did think was this, in my opinion, your King's move is not, it's not your strongest move. I don't no, think not. that's where I, I really don't. And I'm not just, you know, I'm not blowing stuff your ass. You know, I don't do that from our conversations every week. What I would say is this, you, you, you know, when you get into your real drives, when you commit your shoulder, when you dig right in hard on the inside, you've got some serious top end. I, I, 
it is that is probably my best move and especially if you look at the lifts that i do in the gym it's it's the move that reflects the most top end to me um it is also dave's best move yeah when i look at how dave beats people like when i look at what he did to krasimir okay uh it doesn't make me want to go there no when I, look at, when I look at training videos with uh todd hutchings and dave jp it makes me not want to hook him you know uh i do have a really good hook but it's just so apparent that there's a glaring hole for this move with dave so uh i would have loved the opportunity to kind of have gone there but i know that um it's for me it's a much safer strategy especially in the opening rounds to go with a more muscular approach and like people talk about bones like it's it i'll tell you for me there's way more bones and bone locking and bone leveraging in in a press than there is in a king's move a king's move to me is actually far more muscular than than uh than a press a press leverages so much spiral through your humerus to be done properly uh that's that's the real bone lock uh, yeah it's it, there's just it's just interpretation really to me uh, i would have so, some of the guys that that, that that have been the sort of um the best pressers in the world you know yeah. jerry one of them another yeah. classic example would be wagner bortolato of brazil who right. basically if you just look at him, he's built so thickly, his wrists, his joints, everything, you know, and he utilizes those so hard. He drives on them so hard. Yeah. I think probably that, some of that gives the guy a predisposition to be able to do what he does, you know? Yeah. Um, because he goes bone on bone. I mean, it's joint, it is literally sinew, tendon. He's so materially focused. Test your frame. That's, oh god it is test your frame and, yeah. and you know that it's that game of chicken you know that's what it is you know two people coming right at each other mm. somebody's got to run away and yep. if you put chips down in the chicken game and you run away late you're in big big trouble technically if you yep. think there's been a problem if you think there's going to be a problem don't even start that game you know yeah don't even go on the road why stand toe to toe when you can box it's it's a crazy idea. Now, the other the other point to make in there, I mean, when you look at the way that the match played out and you were looking at Dave's skill set, and I know, to be honest, you gave him prior to the match an enormous amount of respect for his top-end strength, which he's always been his ace card. I think if Dave, if you were to analyse his skill set, if he's a you know character in a video game, he's going to have red line power, He's going to have that awkward factor, that X factor that you don't really know. Nobody really wrestles like him. Uh, Lutkus was a bit the same. And then what he doesn't have is great endurance. So if one thing was going to like put him into a bind, it would be the King's move. Love it or hate it. If you're trying to win the match and come away with the money, it would seem like a solid strategy. Yeah. Seems pretty straightforward to me. Now, when you were going in there, did you feel like you had a B plan if the Kings hadn't worked? Let's say, for example, he'd have jumped on you with the press and managed to press through it. What, what would you, your next move have been? Did you did you sort of have a B plan or not so much? Yeah. 
So when I studied, when I was doing my studies and my preps, there was a few things that I took into consideration. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I took most heavily into consideration was the most recent history with himself and Michael and Michael's long history with him. So this, this to me was the best piece of data that I had. Yeah. Um, the second most uh, interesting piece of data that I had was his match with Gennady Kvikvinia. Yeah from uh Nemiroff last year and i got yeah. to, i got to see that live mm -hmm. and, and and what i got to see and this i actually did use a lot of information from that match uh i thought that Gna one of gennady's strengths is that he's so aggressive and he's so confident at the table yeah uh, very much. yeah and, and he comes out and he fights like he's one of the best fighters in the whole sport i believe uh and and so I really wanted to embody that energy. And Gennady threw a lot of different things at him, but it was eventually his his straight post and his top roll that did bend his wrist back. Mm -hmm. uh, Gennady was hitting hard. Uh, Gennady was more center. He had more shoulder commitment. And I think that I actually did that to Dave. I think it was round three, and Dave actually slipped out. I feel like I had hand control, um, but inside the straps, it was too much a bit. And yeah. the, the last bit of information that I had uh, was when both Dave and John were both damaged. I think it was after the 2016 finals uh, at WAL. They both went over to the A1 tournament, and a, a fatigued... You know, I know that Dave's wrist was a bit beat up from Travis, you know, but John was able to actually hook Dave and, yes. uh, and beat him that way. So, and I think that shocked a lot of people, most notably yes. John himself. Yes, yes. I think it, it, but when you see somebody do it, then it, that's, that's really good. You know, like John has a, a tremendous ability to set a hook. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't going to try and hook him the way John did, but I thought that if I could ride out, uh, a press with a whole lot of shoulder commitment, that would be kind of a, a really scary thing that I could do. And that was going to be my round three. If I was on the ropes, uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to stay on his hand until I was basically on the ropes. And then I would have probably, you know, tried out my press. Um, Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, mate, you got the job done and it, it's brought you up to an unusual position. Now, obviously, going into the finals in Atlanta, mm -hmm. there'll be the people out there that say, you know, oh, here we go. It's going to be Devin and Michael one more time. Kings against Kings, you know, and, and, and let's say that Michael is arguably as good a Kings mover and certainly as well-rounded a Kings mover in terms of his ability to transition from Kings to anything else uh, as there's ever been. I think he's the very best, to be perfectly honest. Now, there'll also be the people out there, and I know Jerry Catteret will be one of them himself, that think Jerry should get the shot. But one of the things I wanted to focus on was how, we, how are you coming off the Chafee match? With having taken so much damage, are you okay now? Are you fresh? Because I know... You were you were genuinely concerned when we spoke right after the match. You were saying, yeah. "God, I'm so busted up." Yeah. Are you, how are you now? Uh, so I did have uh, a little bit of a bicep tear, um, no discoloration, um, but it was visible. 
Uh, I've been rehabbing and training hard. I'm almost able to really start pushing out. Actually, this morning was the very first morning that I have done triples. So, mm -hmm. but they haven't been anywhere near my my records at all. There's, I'm just getting into that intensity. Um, I should be going at full stride, I believe, in two to three weeks. I think that my training will be back to, you know, peak training. Um, I'll tell you, I never like to enter a match when, especially now, when I can kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel just yep. a little bit. I never want to enter a match where I'm going to have any regret. And uh, the people that I'm going to face now with my right hand, I need to be perfect. So uh, in you, would you say that um, winding the clock forward to September 25th, Atlanta, would you prefer it if Jerry Cataract got the shot? Uh, I would love to pull in like the November, December timeframe. I think that, that would be a time when I know that I could be completely ready. I would love to be there. I would love to be at the event. And I would pull, I mean, my left hand is 100%. Mm -hmm. I'd pull anybody left-handed. Uh, but for me to put my right hand on the table at this time, I couldn't help but think I, it would be a little bit desperate from my own perspective. Yeah. So I, I say, Jerry... Before I let you go, I got to sort of, you know, qualify that statement a little bit because Jerry's got a very, very big match coming up. Yeah, yeah. he pulls Todd Zilla, Todd Hutchins. Yeah. Now, if let's just say if Todd managed to beat Jerry, you know, which is not beyond the wit of man that he has the capability to do that. If he did, what then? Because well, what does does yeah. Does Todd then, then get the shot? Well, I think that that's just a ridiculous idea. Um, you know, I, I don't think, well, I actually think that Jerry's going to be him, but mm -hmm. I, I can't say that with a lot of conviction. Yeah. But I can, I can say with, I, I would be so comfortable to bet a ridiculous amount of money that Michael would be Todd Hutchings. I couldn't imagine a universe where Todd Hutchings beats him. It Can just, anybody beat Michael? Yeah, I'll beat him. Next time I pull him, I'm going to beat him. That's a big, big answer. And you, <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. I want to finish um, on a question off the back of that, mate. If you pulled Michael Todd again, do you think you'd rely on Kings or would you bring it all out of the bag then? I will rely on every single tool that I have. Uh, King's move is when, when you arm wrestle somebody, uh, there's normally a kind of a window or should I say a spectrum, uh, of moves that are likely to be a very good counter. And mm -hmm. then, but, but the, the choice that is always, always there, which is a fantastic choice is fire versus fire. So if someone's a presser, you can say, well, maybe some kind of top roll will break them out. But also, no matter what, to mirror them is also always a fantastic option. Because if you break somebody's best move, 
typically that's the most powerful way and complete way to destroy them. So I don't, in my estimate, I don't think that my King's move is as good as Michael's, although I think my understanding of it is completely on par with his. Um, so it's certainly something that I have in my bag, but I don't think that the, it will be the key to my victory against Michael. That leads me perfectly on to my final question, mate, because I'm conscious I'm taking up a lot of your Saturday afternoon, and thanks for, for, for giving that up for everyone I know. They'll be as interested in this as I am. What I wanted to ask, mate, before you do go down that road towards the regaining the hammer, how much did you learn about Michael Todd last time you guys arm wrestled? Do you feel yeah. like you, you, you saw the, you found the keyhole? Do you feel like you've got the, the poison? Um, what I really learned is that he's really not the guy that I pulled in 2011 or mm. 10, whatever it was. He has evolved and I see his evolution. Yeah. Uh, um, he's, uh, he's very good. His conditioning, his, uh, his strength, um, his roundedness, it's, it's, it's very good. I, I actually have had a lot of discussions with people when they talk about who's the best in the world. Um, and I think that most eyes are on Levon and Vitaly. Mm -hmm. and, but I will tell you that I believe that if you do a best of six or five or something like that, I actually do believe that Michael Todd will beat Levon Saganishvili. Yes, uh, I do too. So I what I could see is now I don't know exactly what the future looks like, but we all know that the top eight culminates uh November, December, and WAL culminates in September. If there was and and, and I think that it should be Vitali and Levon in the finals. And I, I really don't know how to call that one. I do feel that Vitali at some point is going to surpass, I'm going to say, everybody. But uh, I just don't know if that's November. Um, so if Levon can still manage to get the victory there, and if Michael gets a chance to pull him, I could see Michael getting that worldwide you know, recognition, that pat on the back. And I'll tell you, that I know that I can beat Michael. <laughs> so that's my window right there. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, that is all we've got time for in tonight's show. I want to say a massive thank you, as always, to my guest, Devon Larratt, coming on and giving us his feedback and insight, taking a lot of criticism post 504, but I'll tell you what, he's got to be happy. That was a massive win against an incredibly strong opponent in Dave, Easy Money, Chafee. We got 5.05, breathing down our necks, Jerry Cataret and Todd Hutchins. Who you got? I don't know whether I mentioned at any point in tonight's show also, debuting on that card, 5.05 in Tulsa, will be none other than Australian sensation, Danny Tesh, an Australian signature arm wrestler, that the Aussies assure me is so powerful, his shadow can do 15 one-arm pull-ups. So with all that said, 505 is an event not to be missed. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for once again tuning in and giving up your time. I hope you enjoyed the show and I hope you will join me same time next time. Right here on the World Arm Wrestling League this week with myself, Neil Pickup. Take it easy, peeps. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.